Yes, we're back after the long weekend. Everyone filled full of turkey. I'm starting to debate really whether I really like turkey or not. The idea seems good. It's just like in sports, all about the execution. You know, some people really, you know, they cook it for, you know, oh yeah, it's been in the oven for seven hours. Maybe it shouldn't be. A little dry. Uh, but hopefully you had a good one wherever uh, wherever you were. <laughs> Sounds like your turkey never turned out. Well, you never did it, obviously. It, uh, no, no. I'm just saying turkey. Oh, I love turkey. It's give it, me, give me, give me. I can't wait for these next two days too. Turkey tonight, turkey tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know if I'm. Really? How often do you have turkey during the year, though? You don't have turkey on a regular basis. Do no, you? no. Because I, I maybe have turkey about five times a year. Yeah, maybe see, four times. I, a year. I have it twice. Really? That's and too that's early, that's right? enough for me. You're acting like it's Chinese food or yeah. something. Yeah, I've cut down on that, too. Have, have you? you? Yeah, I have, too. I Maybe two or three times tops. Yes. Tops. Because there's certain things I like, and it seemingly the Chinese food places I go to, they change ownership every once in a while. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah. Meow. No, they ain't not here no more. <laughs> I, uh... Barbecue spare ribs, though. I never get sick of those uh, ones. You know, you the long do, ones? You can do that every day. Oh, uh, long ones are great. Yeah, I know. Those are good. Also, we're going to talk uh, to a legend. <laughs> and when I mean a legend, uh, I'm a little nervous. You know what I mean? I don't get nervous in front of I've interviewed a lot of people. Thank God, last week we had that interview with Bill Cosby, who I think, by virtue of what has happened, uh, he might be the most famous person I've ever, ever interviewed. Now, of course, for all the wrong reasons, but I'm just saying, you know, sure, we've talked to Joe Montana. I mean, there's a lot of been a lot of big uh, sports celebrities in my time, but but Bill Cosby probably is the biggest name. But for those that I get nervous around, it's not the ones that that people would think. I mean, we've had two prime ministers on our show, uh, but like Chuck Ely, I was a little nervous about because Chuck Ely was my was my hero. I mean, being a Ticat fan, what he did was like the greatest thing ever. And then there are two other, well, three other quarterbacks probably. If Doug Flutie's in in there is is one of the, the, the maybe the greatest. But then I also lump in Tom Clements, who was mm. one of my all time favorites, and and this legend, the Birmingham Rifle, Dieter Brock, or Ralph Brock, when he first came into the league. We get a chance to talk to him today, and I'm a little nervous because this is this is the you know of the godlike athletes that I watched as a kid. And I remember, you know, when that trade was made between Hamilton and, and and Winnipeg, and it's hard to find an equivalent in another league, especially a football league, where where you can understand just how big those names were for that time in that league. So, what does a Tom Clements going one way and a Dieter Brock going the other way? What would the equivalent be in the National Football League? And all I could come up with was, was something like, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers for Tom Brady or something, switching yeah. teams? I was going to say maybe Aaron uh, Tom Brady for Drew Brees because of the same age. Yeah, same sort of, but it is that big, but right? But it it's that massive. Like, no one, do, like the, no. no one makes that trade no, uh, no. now. I don't know if you necessarily – I mean, CFL, obviously, different kind of league. Yep. But uh, uh, names of that significance being traded. So we're going to talk to him about that, his, where he came from, certainly what, and catch up what he's doing now. And uh, and uh, I look forward to that because that, that is simply awesome. Now, of uh, names that uh, could be big, were big, Johnny Manziel is on that list still, I think. But it's not so much about, 
you know, him going to the NFL. It's 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 really about can he survive playing in the CFL, and I'll be honest, on a team that, again, doesn't have a lot of weapons. Each and every week I see him play, they play the Stamps this, this past weekend, and they're winning six Cobb at the half. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes, and uh, for Bo Levi Mitchell, probably not a game that he wants to uh, – probably record and give to his children because the decision-making and the interceptions of that game were, were really quite dominant. It's not until literally end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, where the Stamps finally get something going, but they're pushed and tooth and nail to win that game on the weekend. Once again, property of the King Football League. Coming in, so now 12 on the air. Oh, what a grab from his knees. Juwan Breskison, highlight real catch. Calgary extends the drive. Four-man rush for Montreal. Deep shot. Caught by Breskison again. Ellis with the tackle. Stamps second last though in red zone production. And they're going to score here. Touchdown, Terry Williams. You'll see two missed tackles by the Stampeders here. Oh, yeah. Terry Williams. One shot in the backfield. Tommy Campbell has a shot. Outside the goal line goes for the collision rather than wrapping up. Well, there it is, and uh, finally they escape with uh, with you know a win nonetheless. I always say that you know good teams find ways to win even when they probably don't deserve to or didn't play well enough. The Stamps were certainly that, but you know to me, I just think probably if you're the coaching staff, if you're Dave Dickinson, some of those decisions out there that were being made by Bo Levi Mitchell, I can't help but think that one you want to have back. Because we're getting close to the serious stuff, Dave. And when uh, here comes the cold weather, here comes some of the playoffs. Uh, not that I've changed my mind at all on where the stamps are going to be, but those are the kinds of games that you just kind of don't want to see. As, as a coaching staff, no, I'd rather not have that. No, completely. Uh, it was it was shocking. It was uh, it was his worst effort of the season when you look at Bo Levi Mitchell, what he did, and even when you go back to that Toronto game as well. I, I didn't like what they did in that first half. They woke up in the second half, and then you know did very. You know, Stampeder like too the Argos, but in this game, man, I I was shocked when because I was I was flipping back and forth, and then I watched, and I was like, wow, this this should not be what I'm watching right now. There was a 13 and a half point line. They barely they they barely half that, and and I sit there and I go, man, that, that you should take advantage of teams like this should be stat night. Yeah, for yeah. for receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, and it was the exact opposite. And this isn't the time to start pulling this kind of garbage. And they have to get back on their horses faster than not. So that was uh, good news in Calgary. Of course, uh, we know what, what the hockey team has done, and it just reminded me. You know, there was such sixteen thousand and change in Montreal because mm-hmm. it's getting a little nervous, and they're a league that doesn't I mean it's a turnstile league right it's you're not sitting there getting rich off a TV contract you need people to go to the games it's been a long time that we've seen since a you know in the last three years and because I'll probably lump it together the people all of a sudden are not going to the games you can't blame them you know when you're winning three and four games in a season it's tough for those to continue to come out especially when you're used to a level of excellence that we saw during the Anthony Kelville years you know Jim pop years when you when you saw those dominant championship teams, the Ben Cahoons of the world, it was really easy to go and have fun at the games because you're probably going to win. Now it's a different story. So in terms of sponsorship, I was just thinking the other day, you know, I did something uh, right here on uh, uh, Sportsnet Fan 960 where I introduced ways of increasing sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, the uh, CEO president of 
of the Calgary Flames, you know, was going to join us on the show. So I thought maybe for Ken King, maybe I'll give him an example of what it might be like in ways you can increase sponsorship during a hockey game. It sounded like this. So because we are the voice of the Calgary Flames, and he is the CEO of the Flames, maybe we'll give him an example uh, how increased sponsorship might uh, increase revenues. Carolina now having trouble getting on their own zone. They will dump it down the ice, and that will be called for icing. Here, the icing brought to you by Betty Crocker. Betty Crocker Kanks. Betty Crocker, she's sweet on you. There's a look at Terry Frazier with 12.52 left to go in the first period. Terry Frazier on a long skate alone. Are you alone for long? That skate brought to you by one-on-one dating service. One-on-one dating service. Look who's scoring now. Terry Frazier set to drop the puck in the Carolina zone. If you want to get in the zone, Valley Fitness Club, Valley Fitness Clubs of Canada, stop being such a fat pig. Here's Kapanen now looking for the head pass. Hey, are you looking for head? Guinness. Guinness beer since 1410 brewed in Dublin. Guinness beer. That's the head you're looking for. Now Ron Francis dumps it out. In the center ice area. Goes back in. Here's the Canadians now. Odette goes off a skate. And a long shot now. Theodore with an easy save. Hey, have you been saved? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Something special in the air. Oh, that's terrible. At the 10-minute mark now (laughs) of the first period. They're still fighting for it. We're going to take a break now on the radio network. Carolina nothing, Montreal nothing, no score. If you haven't been scoring, Dirty Alice's house of slap and tickle. Dirty Alice, what have you done to my body? Back after this. Well, it's 7-10. I love it. And so does Ken King. (laughs) Oh, man, I haven't heard that before. (laughs) Well, what do you think, Ken? Good idea. (laughs) Okay, I'm in. (laughs) I'm just trying to help, Ken, that's all. <laughs> is that the first time you played that? I don't know if it's the first time we played it, but... Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Well, you know... Okay. Okay. You know, there nice are, to watch you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. King. Good morning. Yeah. Well, uh, I figured we got to do something. I, oh, I don't, man. <laughs> I don't know if I can... I don't know which one's my best, but... I, Innocent being saved is right now. <laughs> yeah, both the same bit, too. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to hell quickly, I'll tell you that. Oh, you and me both. Yeah. There is that uh, <laughs> Ken King uh, enjoying our time, certainly as you are right now, here on Sportsnet, the Fan 960. You're listening to rawmikerichards.com, myself and Dave Bastel, uh, broadcasting uh, around the world as well. So you want to make sure you uh, subscribe to rawmikerichards.com and don't forget the dedicated YouTube channel. We appreciate when you do it. We can see the numbers going up, so we uh, we, we, we encourage that. Also, to uh, as you know, we start talking about some of the numbers over the weekend. Uh, we're gamblers. We we are degenerates. We we want to win money by not really working at it. That's called gambling. And if you're going to gamble. Then go with their friends at Sports Interaction because, you know, they also have in-play. People saying, well, you know, I kind of like the in-play uh, th- th- that's available. Well, they have in-play. In-play is fantastic. And that is the way to go about it. So, once again, you go to Sports Interaction and put the uh, the pull-down menu, bring it down, see Raw Mike Richards, click on, they'll, they'll match your bet up to $200 on your first deposit. So, that is a great deal. 
you know, you heard the scoring. Yes. The Leafs and the Blackhawks, what do we make of that game? Russell, were you thrilled with that game? I got to think that uh, in some ways it was a little it was a little festive. I, I know the coaching staff wouldn't be really happy with 7-6. Uh, <laughs> Although, what, are we surprised that the games are actually like that and Sparks gets the call? I thought he'd be better than that. I think that was dude, the con. Dude, dude would have let in a beach ball that game. Holy Christ, what was he doing? That was, okay, so look, you know, we'll get your take on the other side. Let's have a, a little look at it because no, when this people is, were, This is appropriate music right now, because yeah, people were, were telling me what the score was. I go, well, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. So property the National Hockey League. Let's uh, get a load of the fun right now. We talked about the leaf strength at center ice. All three of those sentiment on this power play group. Here's the shot. Tip they score. That's John Tavares. A long shot redirected by Tavares, who scores for the second time in the period. And Toronto with a 4-3 lead. And then the hand-eye coordination from John Tavares. Right between the legs of Cam Ward. Small Toronto check walks in. Centered it. Here's the break. His shot blocked. Deflecting wide. The lead heavily over both teams. Full strength. Now Marner dropped it. Tavares. Spinorama, Tavares centered at Marner, and he shot it off the goalpost. Marincin into the zone, Kapanen head for the net. Here's the shot to save, rebound. Oh, and Matthews had the rebound that was too hot to handle. In the Philadelphia Flyers. Kona dropped at Seabrook for Manning with a But the Blackhawks early in the third have tied it. Anisimov is there and off the post and in. And Good coverage came. He knocked down Tavares but didn't get it out. Here's John Tavares. Snaps it off. That's the hat trick for John Tavares. His ninth career hat trick. And the Leafs are back in front. Yoki, this is nuts. Patrick Kane kicks to the six, waiting, shooting, he scores! Patrick Kane, 84 seconds to go, we're tied. Dropped it, Gardner shot it, and it winds up in front, Matthews, he scores! Austin Matthews, after a fortunate bounce, got right to his forehand, he snapped it home, his second goal of the game, and the lead. Are back in front with a 102 left. They Can't hang on. Yoki, how are you across Kane? Is that a See, that's a killer. Killer. Has scored two goals in consecutive Great if you're getting all hammered in the crowd. I mean, this is uh, this is awesome. But you're not going to find a more entertaining game all season long. Morgan Riley will step into Chicago ice. Marlowe to the net. Riley with a great shot. He scores! That might have been good. Patrick Marlowe right there. Morgan Riley. 19 seconds into overtime. Wins it for the Leafs. Oh, there you go, Russell. That's a little uh, a little gift for you early. Uh, I'm sure, as I said, the coaching staff didn't want to see that uh, very often. But uh, there it was. Dave, uh 
too. He also saw what happened on Saturday night hmm. with the Ottawa Senators. Oof. But see, then Montreal goes in and beats Pittsburgh. Yeah, I so know. it's it's kind of early to start jumping to conclusions. Way too early. But I think when it comes to goaltending for the Leafs right now, I mean, it's great that you talk about the firepower they have up front. Got to stop a few for uh, for for more W's because I I don't know if that's of concern again. If this is Sparks' his first game, Anderson looked the way he did, you know, against Ottawa. You know, yeah, you certainly don't panic after three games. Two but- out of the three games, there wasn't very good goaltending. You could look at that Montreal home opener and say Fred Anderson was decent. You know, he was he was pretty good. He made some nice saves. He did not play very well against Ottawa, and then the follow up was Garrett Sparks in uh, in Chicago, which was horrendously bad. Six goals, unreal. That that shouldn't happen in a course of three games. Never mind one game to a, a last place Blackhawk team. Jeez, and Cam Ward out, outdid him too. Cam Ward was worse than Garrett Sparks, yes. letting in six goals. I I don't know what the hell he was doing in that too. That was that was funny. I was texting back and forth with uh, Coach Frank, and and we, he he joked about it, saying, "Oh, it's not over yet." Sure enough, Patrick Kane scores, and then it says, "Well, overtime should be good." And I said to him, "I'm not joking. First shot will win it." And sure enough. Yeah, you should put money in that. There's your in play right there. <laughs> There's your in play, right, your in play there. right there. Whoever was lucky enough to get that first shot, it was going in. And it was uh, it was Captain Morgan Riley. That's what it was. Well, uh, I'm pretty excited. In a couple of minutes here, we're going to talk to the uh, true legend, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Dieter Brock, who, boy, I'll tell you, those were some pretty cool days when he played. Uh, his records, you know, and when he broke uh, Sam Echeverry's record, you know, that obviously was an enormous deal. But it was just this... I mean, this is a dude. Like this was the this was yep. your stud quarterback. I mean, he comes from from Birmingham. He had all the, you know, it, it, it just is like a gunslinging kind of story. Is really what he was in the truest of sense. Now, of course, there was a little bit of a trade. Uh, most well, there'll be a lot of people remember Dieter as a blue bomber. Mm-hmm. So I thought it, you know, and sometimes finding the clips a little bit difficult. But here's. Really, kind of, uh, we got to start with the Winnipeg one. So we'll start with uh, uh, Brock uh, when he's playing for Winnipeg. This is against Ottawa. Legendary voices you hear: Russ Jackson, Don Chevrolet. This was a real crazy moment. At least when I hear those voices, they meant so much to me as a kid. This is uh, Winnipeg in Ottawa facing the then Rough Riders. Very effectively grinding out yardage. Well, I think one of the things that Dieter Brock has got going for him now is the fact that he's got more poise and he's not going for that long bomb all the time, although they are. Even looks cool. Strong, long ball striking club. No shoulder pads, it looks like. One, and that's why he's got so many completions. At the 37-yard line, a quick pass is a completion. It is to Joe Poplaski, number 71. He gets rolled back. Joe Poplaski. Banks was there to meet him for Ottawa, the ex-Hamilton middle linebacker. And the gain on that play is going to be about three as he reaches the 41. Make it four yards for the Blue Bombers. That, of course, it lands down stadium at that time. For the pass blocking needed by Brock. Bonk the center, Butler, Nick Vestai, an extra Ottawa Argonaut. Norman and Big Thompson, number 61. There he is, fellow 6'8", 290. We'll have to get Thompson and Kenner to stand side by side. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Or if Ronnie Stewart's to the ballpark, we'll have a shot of two of them in. Stewart might be called. In contrast, the plastic got cut down. Now, once again, that was he was a master at that. Now, of course, for me, when he comes to Hamilton, then that was a pretty big deal. The Eastern Final that year, 1983, this, this allows, how strange is this? Then those two teams that make the trade meet 
in the Grey Cup. Unreal. Which is just nuts. But watching him and the enormous crowd at Exhibition Stadium, the way it used to be, this this is magical. And the unis that I talk about all the time. This uniform right here for the Ticats, this is what I want. Last will be a couple of yards. Make it second and 12, Argos. As the champ defense now comes up from this crowd of more than 52,000. Rock over the middle. Shepard makes the reception and gets oh. to the two-yard line. What a big play by Johnny Shepard who bobbled the ball. Then was finally able to bring it in and get down. Oh, such great memories from a great quarterback, Dieter Brock. Hello. I'm looking for Dieter Brock. It's Mike Richards calling from rawmikerichards.com. Hey, Mike. This is Dieter. Oh, Dieter, I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. You know, we <laughs> interviewed a lot of people, but 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 some of those that just were larger in life to me, you were certainly that. The fact you're joining us here this morning, I appreciate it. Looking forward to reading the book. But I got to tell you, this is a, a thrill for me. And guess what? There's a guy across from me who's actually wearing the bomber number five as opposed to the Hamilton gear that I've got on right now. Uh, I, I don't ask this question, <laughs> which team you like the best, but I think i might know oh he knows go ahead <laughs> i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings <laughs> no 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 hurt him hurt him yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's just super happy we just played a couple of clips uh from from the day and you know a lot of people uh, obviously know a lot about your story but it, there's a sort of a, a thinking there's a mentality in sports that i happen to believe i have had a chance to coach football a little bit at the high school level but when you talk to people certainly south of the border at some point they want to say that they have a stud quarterback. And when I take a look at how you played, how you lived, just everything about you, the aura surrounding you, when you go into the huddle, I mean, that's the kind of face, that's the kind of guy I want to see. And and I think sometimes, is it natural? I mean, are you aware that, that, that you have that kind of personality, that kind of control, that when you walk on the field, when you go into the huddle, that you have exactly what I'm talking about? playing the game and I, I think that you know people see that and your teammates see that and they see how how hard you work and how much you put into it I think it transfers over to, you know on the field I mean obviously it, it does and um and that's you know and it's because I love playing and I love throwing the football and I you know it, it now, how strange was it for someone who comes from Birmingham, you know, the experience at Auburn or, or being in that area, uh, Jacksonville State, uh, were you sure that football was going to be the way you were going to earn your living? And if it was, that it was going to be in Canada? What, what, was that, what, did that, what was that process? Well, I mean, I grew up playing baseball, Little League baseball. You know, my, my older brother was a really good baseball player, so I kind of followed him around and, and uh, you know, got into baseball early. I really didn't get into football until I got into high school, and I wasn't very good. I, I went out as a – I really, you know, but I, I really wasn't uh, sure I wanted to say I wanted to play quarterback, so I'd, I let them put me where they, where they wanted to put me, and they put me to, as a defensive back. And that first year in, in high school, I was, I was terrible. I was the only player on the, on the freshman team that didn't get into a ball game. Uh, and my older brother, you know, kept agging me on, said I was going to quit. And 
And, uh, of course, I told him, no, I'm going to go back out again. And I went back out as a, as a sophomore. And one of my teammates told uh, the uh, – actually, the, the coach came out on the field, saw me throwing it. And he asked uh, a friend of mine, you know, uh, who is that guy, you know. And uh, from then, you know, it was, I was a quarterback from the sophomore on. And I was pretty good at basketball also, but um, – uh, you know, I, I knew after uh, uh, just a little while that football was going to be my sport. Yeah, it certainly was. Dieter, David Bastel here. So good to talk to you finally. Uh, I, yes, I, sir, Dad. I had a question about uh, about how you got to Winnipeg because I, I know just because I, I followed you since birth, basically, uh, that the World Football League did not draft you, but you didn't wait for the NFL draft. Why did you decide to sign with the Bombers? And I'm, and I'm thankful you did. Trust me, I am because you would have been drafted by an NFL team. But why did you decide to go up north to Winnipeg and not wait for the NFL draft at that time? Well, number one, I, I didn't have an agent. And and back in those days, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it was kind of a, a secret more than anything, you know, whether uh, you were going to be drafted or who you're going to be drafted by. And I didn't um, – from uh, – and maybe they didn't know, but from my coaches at Jacksonville State, and um, and uh, when I got an offer from Bud Riley in in, uh, in Winnipeg, uh, I told him I was going to wait for the NFL draft, and uh, then they they called back a week or so later, and this also was during the time the world, like you said, the World Football League had a had a draft, and then uh, Winnipeg called me back and up the offer uh, from what they initially had said, and. I, you know, I got to thinking about it and saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm, you know, where I'm going to go in a draft or not, but I, and I didn't want to lose the offer from Winnipeg. So I ended up signing uh, a one-year contract with the Blue Bombers. So, so you go to Winnipeg and you're looking around, you have to play in places like Saskatchewan, you, you go into that stadium. Did uh-huh. you, did you, did you at any point you think, what am I doing? What? Where? Where am I? What? I got to play a team that's called the Eskimos. I mean, at some point, at some point, you're thinking, I don't know if this was the right thing to do, but obviously, it was. Well, you have to, you know, I had to study up on on Canada a little bit uh, and to find out where all the cities were. But um, and I, I had seen a couple of the CFL games. Uh, they had shown a, a couple back, you know, when I was playing at Jacksonville State. I had seen a couple of games and. Um, so I knew a little bit about the league, but I didn't know a whole lot. So you know, I had to you had to do a little study of uh, of the, of Canada, and also I had to kind of learn a little bit and a lot about playing in the CFL when you first go up there as a quarterback. You had a lot of good one-on-one matchups uh, when the Eskimos Bombers used to play. That that was the game for me that I was looking forward to, just because it was you against Warren Moon. Is mm-hmm. that is that probably the rival you're you're most known for? And I'm I'm not taking in consideration Tommy Clements and the and the Grey Cup, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But mm-hmm. within the division, within the West, was that was that the game for you and that matchup for you as a competitor that you are? It most definitely was because honestly, it was either going to be us or or uh, um, Edmonton who was going to win it all. And I felt that way for you know, two or three years, especially in the early, early eighties. Um, and, and it really wasn't a matchup to so much as, as me and Warren moon, but, uh, the es- Eskimo defenses, in my opinion, is why they won all those great cups because they had 
at one point five Hall of Fame defensive players playing on the same team. And I can and I can and, and they had the same team for six or seven years in a row and I can to this day can name their starting lineup of the <laughs> Eskimos. And that's that's the reason why they were so good. Uh they plus they had you know, they had Warren Moon and Tom Wilkinson at quarterback and they had they had some great receivers. I had Tommy Scott for four years in in, uh, in Winnipeg, and Tommy is a, uh, is a great receiver. He's a Hall of Fame guy. Continue his his great playing, and then Brian Kelly. So they had an a, an overall great team, and I think we did too. And we we were right there. And in '82, I mean, I I think back to the '82 um, uh, Western Final. And we had just taken the lead, and Warren had thrown an interception, and we had good field position. And then we got a roughing the passer call on, on Warren that was uh, by John Helton. And, you know, you sometimes you think, well, you know, what would have happened if we'd have got the ball there and we could have gone back and we could have put the game away and, uh, and won it that year. Uh, but – you know that's the way the game goes, but you know certainly the rivalry with uh, with Edmonton was certainly um, you know I think the the big part of of uh, in Canada with with uh, the Eskimos. We're in conversation with Dieter Brock. The book is called The Birmingham Rifle, written by uh, Robert Allen Young. We'll have a chance to talk to him as well about, uh, about writing this book. Now, uh, Dave and I were talking about the trade. So you you go to Hamilton. Tommy Clements goes the other way, and I look at that trade now and think. In what world or universe would people actually, or sports organizations, I take a look at the NFL, that's sort of like trading Tom Brady for Drew Brees or Brady for, for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we're talking about the two sort of stud, great, all-star quarterbacks, and they switch teams. So when this comes down, I mean, my mind's blown, and even probably more so today, because I just don't know if if teams would actually do that, where you're taking your, your two marquee guys and you're literally just switching teams. How does this come about, and what were your feelings on it, even looking back on it now? Well, um, it, it wouldn't happen or wouldn't have happened uh, unless, you know, somebody made it happen. And, and obviously I made, the, I made the, the, the deal happen because of holding out uh, something I really – Think back, uh, think back about, and, and at things as they went ahead. After that, I still I have some regret about uh, leaving Winnipeg um, because we had such a good team, uh, and the defense was getting so much better. They were getting some really outstanding defensive players, uh, which made a difference, and um, so. You know that situation obviously was something that I was traded to Hamilton. I'm saying, man, did I, you know, did I do the right thing? And you know, I did the right thing as far as getting my contract shortened. Uh, but as far as the way I feel about things that could have possibly happened if I'd have stayed in Canada and, and stayed with the Bombers, number one, uh, that. Um, you know, I think I obviously and uh, certainly would have been one of the, you know, the highest uh, as far as in yardage and touchdowns in the in the history of the CFL. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. That was that was Cal Murphy's first season with the club, correct? 
That's correct. Yeah, Cal had just come in. I had I'd held out up until right. Uh, I reported right before the first game, a day before the first game, and uh, and then uh, uh, they lost that game. And and then the the next day, I was on the practice field learning the offense. Uh, but I was always in good shape. I always felt good about my condition programming that I did in the off season and the things I did to get ready. So I felt really good, uh, you know, physically. I just had to learn the, the, the system. And I still didn't know it when we went to Edmonton the, the next week. And uh, I didn't start the game. Um, but I, I, I got put in with about uh, nine minutes gone in the first quarter or, or maybe early in the second quarter. And uh, we came back and beat the Eskimos. Uh, and then um, the next four games, I mean, we, we, we were like, I think we were five and one uh, when I did the next holdout. And uh, on pace, I think Warren Moon threw like 56, threw for 5,600 yards that year. And I was on pace with that, of throwing somewhere near that. Uh, out so I, I think about it and I think about what could have been if I'd have stayed there and possibly uh, the Eskimos had had their run and I, we had some really good defensive players uh, Tyrone Jones those kind of guys who were coming in was becoming dominant so you know I think about you know did I do the right thing and yeah. uh, sometimes I wish I'd had to stay. Yeah, so do I, man. You broke my <laughs> you broke my heart. You, you broke you broke my heart, Dieter. The funniest thing, and I and I'm sure you've heard about this many times. So so I'm the biggest Dieter Brock fan. I'm wearing your jersey right now. I'll wear it until the day I die, kind of thing. Uh, when when you were moved to Hamilton, the 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 level of 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 sadness that fell on me as a child is something I'll never forget. My my parents went out, and it's funny because you've probably heard this one. My parents went out to make it up for me by buying one of those Brockbuster T-shirts, and I and I reluctantly wore it because you were wearing a different jersey. And during that Grey Cup, I wanted nothing more than to beat you so badly because of what you did. And uh, I understand. And of course, of course, that all evaporated. Uh, Loved your time with the Los Angeles Rams, uh, and I and I had one question about the Rams because watching mm-hmm. the Rams as a kid with my father, and this is something we did all the time, and we were so thankful that you were you were doing so well in the NFL. How disappointing was it from your standpoint that you weren't able to throw the ball? Because that offense, I realize Eric Dickerson's one of the best, but they didn't give you a damn chance to throw that ball. And as a fan, that really pissed me off. The whole country, Dave, the whole country was going, let him throw it! (laughs) (laughs) Honest to God, honest to God. I I know you were up against the Bears, and the Bears were an awesome team, but but that 11-5 year, Dieter, I think you guys were better than eleven and five. If they had somebody at the offensive coordinator position that knew what the hell they were doing. <laughs> well, you know, I, when Gil Scott and I uh, negotiated with the with the Rams and uh, John Robinson, the you know the head coach at the time was um, he was saying that you know he wanted to open up the offense a little more and throw the football more. Uh, but it never materialized. I mean, we got to the point. I mean, where we were only throwing twenty, twenty-two times a game, and it, it's different. You know, you look different as a quarterback, especially a guy who's who's been a passer, throws the ball a lot, like I was doing. Uh, it, it's like, um, you know, how would how would 
Dan Marino look if they put him with that Ram offense calling the, calling the offense like like they did? It, it wouldn't be any different. Exactly. It would look the same as what I was doing. It wouldn't be that you you cannot go out there and complete twenty out of twenty. You know, and if you have if a receiver drops the ball here or there, or um, you're off a little bit one game, you're, you're not your stats are not going to look good. You know, um, but the thing I can I can say about that NFL that season in '85, if you take um, after the first three games when I got kind of used to what was going on, those last twelve games, people don't probably don't know this, but those last twelve games that I played with the Rams. I was the leading passer in the National Football League in '85. I had a, I had the highest completion percentage, uh, almost 64 percent. I ended up at 60 percent, which was third in the league. But in, in those last 12 games, I was a, almost a 64 percent passer. I had two to one touchdowns and interceptions, uh, but we just did not throw the football uh, enough to put up uh, big numbers like like you know guys like Marino and Fouts were, were doing because they were throwing the ball a lot. Well, for, for here in Canada, I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and Canadian Football League fans take great pride in the guys who play here and and almost, to, I would say, always cheer them on when they go to the NFL. It, it's like we take ownership and a great pride that you played in our league. Mm-hmm. So it's not the right. anti-feeling. It's quite the opposite. And, you know, so you go down. Uh, how old are you when you go down to Los Angeles? How old are you? I was 34 when I was uh, starting a quarterback in 85 with the Rams. So you're 34 years old. You walk into that camp. Mm-hmm. There's all these 21, 22, 23. I, it was a farmer was on that team. You had all these guys. What do they uh-huh. th- What do they think of you? Because what do they make of a guy who's got the Bama accent? I think your hair at that point was really blonde. I mean, really blonde. I think. And so you're going down there, and they're like, "Where did this guy come from?" How, like, was was there a, some sort of environmental change that sort of went on in the dressing room so they actually understood? Because again, you weren't you weren't a kid. You'd come from a league they didn't know about. Yeah. Uh, what was that like for you and for them? Well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, a lot of them were wondering, you know, who the hell is this? You know, is this like, uh, you, you've seen the movie The National, some guy just comes in there and, you know, and, but that's exactly kind of how it was because uh, a lot of them didn't, didn't know about the CFL or didn't, you know, watch, you know, the CFL very much or because you didn't really have it that much down here. Uh, so, uh, the thing that uh, I had going for me, uh, was the fact that even at 34 years old, I had, and and you can ask one of our receivers there who played with John Elway, Michael Young played four years with Elway in Denver after he left Los Angeles. That I threw the ball harder and or, or, and then Elway, and that's the truth. Yeah. So the thing I had going for me was I had great arm. And people can see me throw the football, and they can say, well, hell, at least he can throw the football now. I don't know what he can do when he gets in the game, but he can throw the damn football. <laughs> so, that, you know, that's, that's the and you know, and once I got to playing and they saw that I could play, then, uh, you know, uh, everything was, you know, okay. Well, play football, uh, yeah, you could do that, and uh, you were pretty good at it. So uh, we're just thrilled that uh, you, you had a chance to share this with with us this morning, Dieter. I'm just curious as well. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they see guys have that kind of success in, in sports, they always think, yeah, well, they'll just be a coach now. It doesn't necessarily transcend for everybody. Um, and, you know, I, I think you did spend some, some time coaching, but it, it's not for everybody. So we're just curious, what are you up to now? Well, I'm not doing uh, anything now. I got out of coaching. Uh, because my wife had some seizures and, um, 
so I, but I coached for 18 years. Yep. I'm getting us feedback here. Huh? <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Just, That's okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, I, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, taking it easy and, uh, do a little part-time work. But other than that, uh, just hang around the house and do things with my wife and kids. Well, that's. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear that things are, are great in your world because you made our world great. I mean, I look at, you know, it's. I guess it's hard maybe sometimes to understand from from your perspective because you're the athlete. That's what you did for a living. You were a professional at it. Uh, but for those of us and, and those fans who watched you played, who 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 watched, you know, what you achieved and and how you did it, it's really a part of our lives. And Dave and I are sitting here now and, and we're talking to a part of our own personal history because you did that for people. You you made them happy. You you made it exciting on weekends when we could go whether you, you played on our team or not it didn't matter it's what i think legends are made out of and and to me you're certainly one of the all-time greats and and uh you know obviously taking the time with us here this morning i can't tell you how much we thank you because boy i'll tell you this has been a great thrill for me Dieter. well mike day i i really appreciate you guys having me on and it's been a pleasure for me to be on with you and uh my career and 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 these things that that's happened uh, throughout my life. Thanks so much, Dieter. You take care. Thanks, Dieter. Thank, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. That is the legendary Dieter Brock talking to us uh, right there from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. The book is called The Birmingham Rifle, uh, aptly named with an arm. And once again, we you know we're talking about a guy who would get on his knee at the at the so a Canadian Football League field, so fifty five yards on his knee. And throw the ball through the uprights. Yep, he worked on it. He worked with weighted balls because he, he knew he was strong, but he felt like he didn't have enough bulk. Believe it or not, so he started weighting balls like wiffle balls. He'd put in weights, four and five pound weights, because when you saw him throw that ball sidearm, mm-hmm. he's not kidding. When you'd make comparisons, say hey, you threw that ball harder than Elway. He did. He did, and that, that's also both of them with the baseball background, right? Sort of adds to so to those kinds of things where the mechanics kind of look the way that they do. But I'll tell you, that was that was a beauty thrill. And, yep. and speaking of that great cup, it got a lot off my chest too. Yeah, yeah, I know you got you got it in there. <laughs> that great cup because we didn't have, we can't t- keep him forever. I'm like, but Hamilton goes up fourteen nothing. Oh, I know. And I'm literally losing my mind. And here's how much noise, and here's how how freakishly and kind of creepy I can be when I watch football. I make a lot of noises. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of voices that come out of me, which you can imagine. So they lose the Grey Cup. But at halftime, though, I'm in university in, in, in London, Ontario. Buddy, who owns the house, who, by the way, was hilarious. He was like Larry from Three's Company. There was a different chick there every day. It was awesome. He comes upstairs and he goes, hey, man, what's the party? Here all you guys up here. And then he looks around and he only sees me. He goes, where is everybody? I could hear the noise. I could hear all the people talking. Uh, actually, it's just... Just me. Just you. Really? <laughs> oh. He, t- he just slowly backs up, doesn't turn around, goes back down the stairs. Classic. We're going to talk to uh, Robert Allen Young in just moments. Uh, here we'll get his take on unwriting a book that is, to him, obviously, part of the legend and lore and what makes the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Even those names like uh, when you hear Bud Riley, and of course Mike, who spent that time, Mike's dad, just an yeah. awesome family, yeah. and then Cal, yeah, who well, had his own way about running that team. Ray Yock before Ray Cal Yock, Murphy. another yeah. legend. Yeah. Speaking of legends, I want to sneak this in here. I don't know if you ever saw this. I had, I, I just wanted to play this. Get this in there. I got a chance in Calgary to know Bret Hart on a on a social level. I didn't realize he was on In Living Color. 
And the impression that is done of Jesse Ventura is unbelievable. So this is supposed to be Jesse Ventura. And he mentions that his his new lieutenant governor of the state is Bret Hart. Uh, property of what? Fox? I guess Fox and whatever else. This I thought was very funny. Now let's please keep these questions to a political nature. Right there. Yes, uh, Governor, I have a question about a statement you made. You said that you thought prostitution should be legalized. No, 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 no. I never said that. Well, but your words were... No, no, if you're saying that I said I wanted it legalized, then I was misquoted. Sir, how could you be misquoted if you never said? The the man says he was misquoted. He was misquoted. Ah! Maybe you weren't here earlier when the governor said he wanted to stick to the issues. Like taxes. Ah! Ah. Better (laughs) roads. Education. Well, well, I have a question. Uh, Governor, what is your position on senior health care? I mean, do you even have a position on senior health care? Brett, why don't you explain to these fine people our position? Good, because you know the people would really like to know. Ow, ow, ow! No, seriously, call me, man, you hurt me! No, 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 wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? Go ahead, finish your line. No, no, no. I don't want to. What are you going to say? Just finish your line. Can we cut this, please? Let's cut this. Let's cut this. What are you doing? Back off. Just take it easy. Let's start again. I'm sorry, David. Can we start again? Hang on a second. We'll just start What are you doing? I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry, too. Are you all right? It's not fine. The doctor twisted What? Let me tell you, all you stupid, brain-dead, mad TV fans, the last time I came on this show, this guy tried to humiliate me. He tried to pick me up and twirl me around like I was this bitch. What's going to happen this time? You want to be a funny man, sasso? No. Write this into the script. You want to write things into the script? No, no, no. Write this. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. That was awesome. By the way, I, I said uh, Living Color was Mad TV. That was Will Sasso, another Canadian. Yes. Uh, another Canadian. That, that was, <laughs> that's, it. that's hilarious. That that's was excellent. Really um, and still, I think of all you know wrestlers, and you can talk to... It, it's hard to say the greatest, because there's so many, and when mm-hmm. you talk about it, but... Gee, I don't know if uh, more loved or where would you Oof. would you put Bret Hart, the Hart Foundation? Where where does that go for you? Bret Hart's probably the the best all time Canadian pro wrestler in the history of the sport. That's that's where I'd put him. I, I don't think there's a number one uh, ahead of him, so I would put him at number one. Uh, I've never seen that video. That's hilarious. Isn't that amazing? That's a very good video. And I know Will is a huge wrestling fan, so that worked out really well, and he played that really well. And the voice was actually pretty good. No, the Ventura voice yeah, was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was. I've talked to Jesse many times. Um, that was actually really good. I, I'm, that's a solid uh, That's a solid piece. Good Good get. We just talked to Dieter Brock, and now we're looking for Robert Young. Uh, good morning, Robert. It's Mike Richards from rawmikerichards.com. Good morning. How are you? I'm Well, i got to tell you. 
I'm I'm a little giddy. I, I I feel like you know when the Beatles came on and and the teenage girls started screaming. We just talked to Dieter, and that was truly one of the thrills of my life. He has always been one of my favorite athletes of all time, let alone quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. And I think if you're going to pick a subject where you're going to have at least enough background on a guy and enough true material that makes the the, the book engaging. I don't know if you could have found a better guy or a better subject than Peter Brock. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, 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 fascinating project to, uh, to to get to know him and uh, hear his story. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, back uh, when he played, uh, there was no Internet, there was no emails. And, uh, you know, we're only, we only know what we're told to know. We don't know a lot right. about the background of these guys, and um, I learned that when I uh, when I was working on Lyle Bauer's book. To to spend some time with these guys and just hear the old stories, and um, it, it was just fascinating. Well, the one thing that he said, and I'm so glad that he said it because I always imagined in my head when he went down to the Rams that it was that way. You know, he he was Roy Hobbs. He was the natural. He's yeah. the guy that came yeah. out of nowhere, was older than what you would expect for a guy to walk into that dressing room. And he talked about it, and he's, he explained, he goes, it was like the natural. And I thought, I'm, it, it just is, uh, again, that movie is one of the most, uh, you know, in terms of, of its legs. People still talk about Roy Hobbs because of the nature of the story. But here's a guy who's a real-life Roy Hobbs. Definitely, yes. Uh, there was... Uh, uh, yeah, it was a remar- remarkable story. Robert, David Bastel here. So good to talk to you. Uh, I was... Nice jersey, David. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you were such a, such a Dieter Brock fan. Oh. He actually, him and his wife stayed with us for about a week yep. um, a couple of months ago, and uh, I've got his pillowcase if you'd like it. Uh, uh, don't you, do that, you, Robert, you know, I'm telling you. You know what? You, uh, you and I will trade off emails <laughs> after this show. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I will accept that. Uh, you know what? So, so growing up, and you, you heard the previous interview, and, and, and you know what? I, I followed followed him you watched him as a as a fellow winnipegger as well is there something that surprised you in the book that by the way comes out at the end of the month uh that that you weren't expecting to hear from Dieter uh you know it's just like you said there was no internet there was nothing like that but you did watch him you did go to the games you he was part of the Manitoba fabric and he was the guy of the 80s is there something that kind of caught you off guard when you were actually doing the, the back and forth and the interviewing and prepping for this book uh, the regret, right? Uh, the, the the regret for leaving Winnipeg and, and uh, how much he still uh, he loves this city. In fact, when he was when he was here, um, both him and his wife on, on two separate occasions uh, said that they would love to come back. Wow! Because I was really struck by. I'll be honest, uh, Robert. When he was as forthcoming about that particular emotion. I said, I almost don't want to ask. I'm a little, you know, it's it's people's uh, personal lives. And this is not a show, as you can see. This is not uh, uh, Meet the Press. This isn't exactly right. the, the hard-hitting, you know, where I'm trying to make someone cry. It's, it's not that kind of show. But being such huge fans, it was, you know, just a, a, an unbelievable moment that doesn't really happen in any of their sports where you see two key guys from teams switch teams. I mean, Tom Clements for, for Dieter Brock is, is a crazy story. And yet he, he was very honest about that. I wish I hadn't have done it. 
And I think there's very yeah. few guys. And you know, going back to to his honesty about coming out of uh, Birmingham and talking about you know uh, Jacksonville State and and talking about you know just the fact that you know football really wasn't what he was thinking he was going to do for his life. He wanted to be a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, until he got that chance to throw the ball that first time in high school. Yeah. It's the- and you know, learning about him, he was. Um, uh, basically just a kid that wanted to throw the ball. Uh, uh, he had, you know, coming out of Jacksonville State, the, the, uh, being a small college, the NFL really didn't have their eyes on him. Um, he, he didn't have anybody to go to for advice. Uh, he just wanted to throw the ball the best way he could. And uh, when Bud Riley approached him, uh, that, that was the direction that he took. Um, but what what was fascinating was during the time when he was uh, hitting the records here in, in Winnipeg and in Canada, uh, people in the States still didn't know who he was. In fact, I found some old newspaper articles uh, from his hometown that said he was the quarterback for the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, oh geez. Oh, man. <laughs> Here's a guy who had numbers equal to Joe Namath, and they had no idea who he was. And... and you know, from, from doing Dieter's book and, and, and Lyle's, I, I found out that it, it's, it's a real, it's hard for these guys to come from the States up here because they're, the NFL is really ingrained in them from the time they're in, in you know, they're playing community club football. Um, and uh, Ray Yock was, was one of the ones who said that the NFL is just so romanticized that anything less is a real step down for these guys. And well, that's not the case. And and paths are always different, and yet they're they're very rarely even remotely close to, to what uh, Dieter's was. The only guy I can think, Dave, necessarily, that would be in a similar category, and again, it's not exactly the same, but, but someone who'd kind of, you know, a little bit older, had been around, is probably Kurt Warner. I think Kurt mm-hmm. Warner's the only other guy I can really think mm-hmm. of that would fit into that category. But even still... It was a lot, you know, a lot different because you know he wasn't starting, you know, his first game when he was 34. I mean, that is just uh, remarkable. Yeah. It also speaks to the kind of the physical shape and what he did to get stronger. I mean, all of that stuff. That's why I think this book is going to be extremely fascinating, Robert. Well, well, to, to stay in shape. I mean, he. Uh, I spoke to a couple of people from from Birmingham who uh, were were friends, and uh, you know, Mike, you you mentioned about the weighted balls. And uh, there's a fellow by the name of Snapper Lancaster who said that Dieter used to stretch this rubber tarp between two trees in his backyard, <laughs> and he would throw the five-pound ball 400 times a day for a month. Wow. And then he would go down to the four-pound ball and throw that 400 times a day. You know, and if I want to hear a story like that, I want to make sure it comes from a guy named Snapper Lancaster. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so going, so going back to what you said about so, so Brock spends almost a decade in Winnipeg. If the story is Dieter Brock in 2018, does he only spend one year in the CFL before he gets that chance in the NFL? Because it almost seems that these days you're 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 well for all intents purposes you're snapped up pretty quick, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, that exactly. Uh, what are what are the things that I've? Who's the loyalty to when these guys play? Sure. You know, is it is it to the team? Right. Uh, is it to the community, or is it to themselves and their family? Um, you know, Dieter and Dieter and his family moved twenty four times in his career. Wow. But that's that's incredible. I mean, that, and and between, that's yeah. 
between Winnipeg and, and Birmingham, um, and then you know the Los Angeles uh, deal, as 24 times throughout his career, um, you know, and, and coming to to uh, Winnipeg, uh, school starts in uh, in the south in the states in, in August, yes. so his wife and kids would have to leave, and he'd be up here by himself for three or four months. Um, you know, I talked to uh, uh, Tom Burgess uh, when I was doing Lyle's book, and, and he he had the same sentiment: is that um, you know, you have to at some point you have to make a choice. Yeah. Is, is is it family first, or or is it football? Yeah, I mean that's I mean that, those are the, the the tougher questions. Certainly back then they weren't getting uh, well the massive uh, contracts that you know made them literally uh, you know set for life. That, right. the, this wasn't that kind of money, but uh, right. Look, Robert, thank you so much for actually allowing us uh, to talk to you today, and of course you know that you're helping arranging uh, talking with uh, Dieter Brock because that was just uh, such a thrill for me. He is again uh, you know one of these guys that I you know you immediately think of when I think of the CFL. I see number five. I see number five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for all the support. And and officially, the book is released, uh, is it October the 22nd? And, and where can people get it when yeah. they're watching this? I know there's a website, but explain everything so we could get it out there and uh, and people could uh, get in front of this before it actually does drop in about, uh, oh, gee whiz, almost uh, a little over a week, two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's available on Amazon.com now. Um, it's in a couple of the stores uh, here in Winnipeg, McNally Robinson and a couple of chapter stores. The official launch is going to be October 23rd at McNally Robinson here in Winnipeg. Uh, and Dieter will be there with, a, with some of the other oh. alumni. Um, uh, and then we've got a couple of chapter stores on uh, Thursday and then another one on Saturday. And we're hoping to go to the actual Bomber game on uh, Friday night. Oh, that's fantastic. Robert, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate all your help as well, my friend. Bye-bye. That is uh, Robert Young. He is the author of The Birmingham Rifle. And as I said, when you're Outstanding. Th- thinking of, of of subject matter that people would actually you know be interested in, uh, they couldn't have picked a better subject. That's- what? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Oh, that sidearm throw. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Classic. It's I would like to thank the legend Dieter Brock for those stories. And I was a little thrown uh, to to a degree when he talked about openly saying that he was, you know, a little hurt and disappointed if if he had to make that trade to Hamilton. You wish maybe he hadn't have done that. But once again, looking after your family's number one. He was just trying to get a better contract for his uh, family. You can't blame a guy for that. Also, thanks as you are hearing us exclusively on Sportsnet The Fan 960. Remember to subscribe to rawmikerichards.com and don't forget to subscribe to the dedicated Raw Mike Richards YouTube channel. Just go out there and do it.